passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. That is not going to work. What are your names again? My name. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting the rock you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years. You like you just stepped out of Oliver Twist. Please, sir, may I have some more advice, sir? You want some advice? Here's the rock's advice. Shut your mouth. What you want. What you want. How about what the rock wants? Allow me to reintroduce myself. I am the jabroni beating, pie eating, trailblazing, eyebrow raising, talking is done, you're out of your class, no sleep till Brooklyn, the rock whips your ass. What's going on, brothers and sisters? Coming to you from Theater D, Row J, Seat 7. I am the Godfather, Nate Milton, and this is the Rocky Maya Via Picture Show, your favorite pop culture and pro wrestling podcast dedicated to the genius of sports entertainer turned thespian, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now playing this month, a very special double feature. First up is 2010's The Other Guys. Special Forces zip line. These guys are pros. You thinking what I'm thinking, partner? Aim for the bushes. And we'll be following that up with 2013's Pain and Gain. Sorry, gentlemen. Police use only. Tampa PD, brother. It's okay. In that case, I need to see badges. We're uh, retired off the, uh, off the job, and now we're doing security for a, uh, 
for a rock group called uh, Striper. Okay. <laughs> Never again will an oppressor overrun my people. But now I am keeping watch. That's the gospel. <laughs> and people say Christian rock sucks. This is hot. All right, so that is just a, a special preview, a little taste of what we have in store for you this this month, ladies and gentlemen. And, and like I said off the top, this is a this is gonna be a different kind of show. This is the first time we've reviewed two films in one episode, and, and you know the way things are going in the world right now, we figured you needed a double dose of that rock goodness. So joining me on the show, because every Cisco needs an Ebert, every Ebert needs a Roper, and every Blaine needs a Twine. I have a special guest to help me review this. My guest is a regular here in the theater. He joined us on the Scorpion King episode. He also joined us on the Southland Tales episode of the Rocky My View Picture Show, making his record-setting third appearance Mm. on the program. You know him from Complex. You know him from Keep It 2000. You know him from Keep It 100. You know him from Reviewing Impact. Ladies and gentlemen. He might be quarantined, but he will never be quieted. Brian Maxwell Mann is in the building. Brother Mann, how are you feeling? Thank you for having me here. Thank you for once again allowing me to book myself onto the show. <laughs> I've been calling my own shots. Um, I know you, you, you were, You're the wheel man, Brian. As, as a listener once said many years ago, <laughs> you're the wheel man. Well, I, I certainly appreciate that. Maybe that'll be my new nickname. Uh, I... I got to say, you, you just mentioned it real briefly off the top there. We don't, um, you know, every obviously everyone is going through something right now. We don't want this to be a uh, an episode about that. Um, but I just want to let you guys know, take this thing seriously. We'll get through this together. Uh, Nate and I have taken certain precautions. Uh, for the first time, he and I are doing the show uh, over, over Skype. This is the first time we have not recorded together. So, um, you know, if we can social distance, so can you guys. Stay strong. We're 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 going to get through this. Yes, we are currently sanitizing the satellite right now, so mm-hmm. we we had to retreat to our corners. And and Brian, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever seen the the great movie classic. You know, being the cinephile that you are, have you ever seen the movie First Sunday without with Ice Cube? Uh, I believe I've seen parts of it. I, I can't with with uh you know full confidence say that I've seen it. Mm. Uh, but parts of it have crossed my path. I believe that's uh. Is that also with uh, Tracy Morgan and Cat yes, Williams? Yes, Tracy Morgan and okay. Cat Williams. And, and I'm glad you bring up Cat, because one of my favorite parts of that movie, although, again, it's, it's hard to pick a favorite uh, scene from that film, but my favorite scene from that film is at the end, where, spoiler alert, the uh, police are trying to apprehend Ice Cube and Tracy Morgan, and everybody in the church is trying to help them. And uh, some Cat, Cat Williams is like the, the flamboyant choir director. And somebody's like, uh, shouldn't we go help those guys? And Cat Williams is like, no. We're going to sit where we are. Everybody has a role to play, and our role is to sing. And then they just start singing to kind of distract the police. And, and that's what I feel like we're doing here, Brian, man. Like, everybody has a role in, the, in these trying times, but, but our role is to, is to get on these microphones and, and give the people a little enjoyment in, in their day-to-day life. Well, listen, I can't, I can't ignore such a great segue. You mentioned roles. And uh, we are knowing our role today mm. by discussing, I think, um, I, I think probably Dwayne Johnson, the two most important uh, roles of his of his career, maybe. Um, I mean, you, I, you're saying this knowing that uh, just last episode, in fact, on this program, we reviewed his first time as Luke Hobbs in the Fast and Furious universe in Fast Five. Well, Fast Fast Five is very important because that's kind of the first 
time that he is credited with making money mm. for a movie. Um, and, uh, you know, listen, it's, it's your, this is your, you know, uh, I'm just, uh, I guess I'm just the passenger. I'm not the wheel man. You're the <laughs> wheel man. Um, so just let me know, uh, how, how you want to go about this, because I know every time I come, I come with plenty of context. I come with a, with a hot take. Uh, we talked about obviously his first starring role. Very important. Yes. We didn't talk about Southland Tales, the best movie that he is in. And now we're gonna talk about two other movies that, uh, you know, I, I could probably argue, mm. uh, that nice guys is the most important movie, um, in his filmography since, uh, uh, Scorpion King, in terms of the importance it has to his career. Interesting. Positively. Okay. Positive, so, I would say. Because what we can do is we can skip all the preamble because people know your relationship to watching The Rock as a wrestler, your relationship with The Rock as an actor. We, we've already been up and down those roads, Brian Mansell. So we can, before we get into the time warp and before we get into the individual reviews of these two movies, uh, I, I'd like you to elaborate on that point mm-hmm. because I think if you asked most people, that have either been fans of The Rock or have recently kind of jumped on that bandwagon after Fast and Furious and, and, and Moana and, and Jumanji and films like that, and you're saying, you know, the other guys and Pain and Gain are two of his most important roles. Uh, what? Why would you uh, state that claim? So um, I think if you go up to uh, other guys, um, mm. if you look at where his career was up until that point, um, quite frankly, he's lost. Uh, he's having a hard time transitioning. I, I, I don't probably don't have to say that to you. You've watched all these movies. Uh, before we started recording, we were talking about Faster yep. and how I was a fan of Faster at the time. It's a movie he would not make today. It's a very small, low-budgeted action movie. But look at where his career was. Uh, he had kind of uh, leap. He, he was kind of in um, later Schwarzenegger territory, but he had leapfrogged the successful <laughs> Schwarzenegger years. He went straight to his kindergarten cop days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's doing the the the... The game plan, and uh, he's doing uh, even Gridiron, but then like he does like a thing like Gridiron Gang, and that doesn't do very well. Yeah, um, he does. Uh, um, he does Get Smart, but it's a very small role. And the thing you noticed around Get Smart was that movie was kind of important. It's the first time he doesn't call himself The Rock. He's strictly Dwayne Johnson in that movie. Um, but the big thing you'll notice, and it, it's kind of glaring, especially when you compare the two movies we're going to be talking about today. He decides to lose about sixty pounds yes. worth of muscle mass. Because he decides that his frame is making it tougher for him to be cast. Um, he, it's interesting that he comes to Hollywood and he, to his credit, wants to be taken seriously as an actor. He doesn't want to just be The Rock uh, anymore. He comes back, or he, he comes to Hollywood and he, he tries to do some things that challenge him. He does Southland Tales. He does, um, uh, he does Be Cool. Uh, he does um, – even Gridiron Gang, I think, to an extent, challenges him. Uh, I think Other Guys is the first movie to successfully use Dwayne Johnson in a movie, to successfully take advantage of what his on-screen persona should be. And I think it's also telling that it's because he's working with a really fantastic director, probably the best director he'd worked with up until that point in his career, who knew exactly how to use him. Because even if you look at some of his, like, Be Cool – or other movies where he attempted to do comedies, he wasn't necessarily giving those roles in very good films. And here you have Adam McKay, who is starting to become kind of a serious filmmaker in this movie. This movie is very, like, saying a lot of things about, like, the financial crisis, Mm. um, which after other guys, he does Anchorman 2. Um, But Anchorman 2 was just a thing he did for the studio, so they would make the big short. Uh, Other guys is kind of his last time making a straight-up comedy, because I don't even count 
Anchorman 2. Like, it was a job he did to, like, it was just part of a bigger process to get to doing the, the big short. And then he does Vice, and he's an Oscar winner now, and he's, you know, right. in a very different category. Um, and if you even look at the way other guys are shot, like, it's, he's starting to move away from his, his previous style. Um, I think it's also interesting that both these films we're going to talk about also involve Mark Wahlberg, who I think is also used perfectly in mm. both films. But you watch this movie, and, and, and Wahlberg, another guy, not to cut you off, Brian, but he's another mm-hmm. guy who kind of had to take that journey to figure out who he was following the the Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch days. Exactly, and I, I think that's very interesting. Is that I, I've looked, I, I honestly tried to look this up. I can't find any evidence anywhere that Mark Wahlberg has ever given Dwayne Johnson uh, advice, but I think he probably has. I, I think. It is without a doubt they've sat and had long conversations about, you know, career and working. I mean, they've done multiple films together. Uh, and if you look at it, I think their careers do parallel each other pretty similarly. Mm. Um, I think that they also both benefit from being in the same kind of roles. I think when when uh, Mark Wahlberg plays a character who's supposed to be high status, who's supposed to be a character who kind of has it all together, he tends to be pretty bad. Uh, films like All the Money in the World. But when he's playing a low-status person, uh, you know, when he's playing the, uh, like we see in both of these films, where he kind of is the guy with the chip on his shoulder, where he yeah. has something to prove, where people kind of uh, doubt Four him. Four Brothers is, a, is another good example. Exactly. He's great in those roles. And Dwayne Johnson's kind of the same. Like, Dwayne Johnson, when you give him something like a, like a San Andreas or a Rampage, he's pretty bland and boring. But when you give him a Jumanji, uh, when, you, when you give him, uh, you know, kind of some of the, the comedy he gets to play with the Hobbs character, uh, he's a lot more interesting. And I think they overlap. Plus, um, you can't overlook the fact that I would not be surprised if Mark Wahlberg had given Dwayne Johnson the advice of, hey, go and get a show on HBO as well. Uh, you know, obviously, Mark Wahlberg had Entourage, and uh, yeah. then Dwayne Johnson goes and pretty much makes football entourage um <laughs> but but back to the the uh, at hand the other guys i think he is so perfectly used this is the first film that and i don't know if you feel the same way even though he had been calling himself the rock in many films this is the first performance of his where you watch and go like oh that's the rock he's mm. playing the rock he's doing the thing that he's great at he's doing and not only is he doing the thing he's great at he's doing the thing that most people know him as he's playing into his star persona rather than going to Hollywood and saying, okay, I want to be taken seriously. I have to prove myself as an actor. Um, if anything, it was almost that he had to go away for a while maybe, and then come back and be like, no, this is me. This is what I'm really great at. And he just gets to play this, this amazing, uh, him and Sam Jackson together, this amazing parody, uh, of, of, of a buddy action duo. And I think the two of them have such great chemistry. They're really only in two or three scenes. Um, but they just, they jump out. And to me, so, you know, obviously this movie comes out um, the year before uh, Fast Five. And I would not be surprised if this film actually played a role in him getting cast in Fast Five. Because even though um, Hollywood's a small town, you know, it's one of those things. He gets cast in this. Ward gets around. Yo, have you seen? He's really great in this movie. Like, he's doing this thing that I don't think Hollywood had seen. I don't think a lot of these big, you know, maybe these casting agents weren't fans of him in wrestling. So they didn't realize he had this charisma. He's just the guy who's been doing family films lately that do so-so. Um, so I think Other Guys is the first time that Hollywood really catches on to what this guy can be. And I think it took Adam McKay really knowing how perfectly to use him to bring that out. So, so what I hear you saying is Adam McKay is the, the best director for Dwayne Johnson since the great Jorge Blanco with, with, <laughs> with Planet 51. Well, I think you bring that up. I think a very interesting thing that I think is something else Mark Wahlberg probably tells him is he goes, 
pick one or two directors that are your guys mm. and only work with them. Mark Wahlberg makes not every movie, but the majority of his movies are directed by Paul uh, by Peter Berg. Yep. And if you look at Dwayne Johnson, he's got his uh, his guys uh, as well. Uh, I would argue they weren't they aren't as good filmmakers as Peter Berg, who I also don't think is a very good filmmaker. <laughs> um, Peter Berg is like he, he's he's a specialist. Like he's got one thing that I think he does well, like that gritty underdog story. <laughs> but like he he knows how to tell that one story, and I don't know if he knows how to tell any any other story but that story. And I'll even with Mark Wahlberg like. I appreciate that, like, some of his movies, you can at least respect him on some dramatic level. Like, well, but I won't get into, like, talk about, like, Deepwater Horizon, right? Like, it's kind of a disaster movie based on a true story. It actually has, like, some drama to it and challenges him as, a, as an actor a little bit. Dwayne Johnson's not doing those. He's doing fucking San Andreas. He's, like, I would like for him to just do one movie that had a little bit of a dramatic edge to it. But that's a whole other thing. We don't need to get into what we want Dwayne to be doing. <laughs> and, and I think Brian, the, la the last thing that I would kind of say about this is it's funny that in a, in a movie like Be Cool that, that you brought up earlier mm -hmm. or in a movie like this, you know, the other guys where he doesn't have the biggest role, it seems that they're able to tap into maybe that charm that is missing from the Scorpion King where he's front and center, but we don't really get that Dwayne Johnson charm or a movie like uh, – uh, the Tooth Fairy, which, like, the Tooth Fairy, it should be, like, funny Dwayne Johnson, but it never, like, I never get the feeling that I'm, I'm supposed to like The Rock's character. His charm just doesn't come through, but, you know, maybe that's less to his death, uh, uh, fault or, or blame, mm -hmm. and more so the, the story and also the direction surrounding him. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that you look back to, um, say, The Rundown, for example. And in the rundown, you have that, that cameo from Arnold uh, in the very beginning, and it was Arnold's way of passing the torch. Mm. Uh, Arnold was leaving to become uh, governor, and I, I know the two of them have, have had talks, and I'm pretty sure Arnold has talked about this. He saw The Rock as the next Arnold, and he eventually got there. It's just very interesting that like that was the lane he was supposed to take, and maybe, maybe it's just that Hollywood didn't take him very seriously in the beginning. Maybe he just chose bad projects, because... Mm. Again, Doom, you know, like, and I don't know if, like, maybe, I don't know if the rundown scared him off, because the rundown's a pretty good movie. It's also directed by Peter Berg, interestingly enough. Um, but then, I don't know, he just, he picks really bad projects for yeah. for about a decade there, and it isn't until he kind of, and you also see during this time, I don't know if you talked about his cameos, but he does start to take cameos in movies. Uh, he, like, has a bit part in, like, that Miley si in, 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 a, in an episode of Hannah Montana. Yep. He's in a, 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 a Tyler Perry movie, very briefly. Reno 911. And... This other guy just happens to be um, the cameo that really clicks and really works. Um, and, and, and I do think this is the first time that a major Hollywood film uses Dwayne Johnson properly. Sorry. And so, it doesn't overexpose oh, him either. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, they, 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 know uh, they know how to hide him in a tag team match, and they give him a great tag team partner <laughs> in, in Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, they're, uh, they're fantastic together. They really are. I would love it if they could find another project to work on together. Maybe we get a other guy's prequel where it's just about rocking. Just those guys? <laughs> rocking Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> you call it the guys. The guys, yes. Oh, Adam McKay's. Where's the check? Uh, but, yeah, let, let's talk about the other guys. And to do that, Brian, mm -hmm. man, we must, of course, step back into time for the time warp. 
Oh man, I did I totally blow past. I gave you all my thoughts on it while we blew past the uh, the initial intro. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because as soon as we go through the time warp, we're like, all right, so so uh, what'd you rate the movie? And we're done. <laughs> uh, well, listen, this is the cold open. It's it's like this is the fast cruiserweight match to get the audience, uh, yeah. you know, hyped up. I mean, this is like the uh, the the, the Simpsons short before onward. We don't. Yeah, we don't need. Uh, this is just. We don't need psychology. We went straight to the. <laughs> All right, so Brian, the other guys premiered on August fifth, twenty ten. Do you know what the number one song on the Billboard Top Forty chart was? Um, twenty ten, August. I'm gonna guess. I doesn't it, but why not? But is it the Pitbulls? Is it the song Pitbull wrote for Men in Black Three? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot all, all about that song. No, it, it was not Mr. Worldwide with. Uh, was it uh, was it the uh, baby? Like he did the remake of Baby. Yeah, I just love that, that Will Smith was like, guys, we gotta keep doing, we gotta keep doing the rap track. People love him in these movies. Oh, cool, what you got for us? No, no, not me. <laughs> You're like Men in Black, Dolly. Like, no, no, sir. Like, we <laughs> we will not Dolly. Uh, <laughs> no, it is not Pitbull, Brian. Man, it is uh, from the album Recovery. Mm. Eminem featuring Rihanna. Love the way you lie. Just gonna stand there and watch me burn. Well, that's alright because I like the way it hurts. Just gonna stand there and hear me cry. Well, that's alright because I love the way you lie. I love the way you lie. I can't tell you what it really is. That had to have been him at like his most pop success lately, would you say? Like, I don't know, Eminem, Eminem, like, he just hasn't been that interesting to me in the last couple years. I would say, Um, yeah, like, this was kind of like the last legs of Eminem being an A-list, like, celebrity kind of rapper. Yeah, he's just, the the thing that's so interesting with him versus, and I don't know, this happens to a lot of, um, I feel like every artist in the later part of their careers, if they lose it, they lose it one of two ways. Uh, they either lose their skills or uh, they get sober and stop being interesting. Mm. Um, and I, I don't, I don't want to knock sobriety. So it's either they lose their skills or they stop being interesting. And sometimes that's just like, you know, artists, you know, get wealthy and they stop having hardships and they just don't have anything interesting to say anymore. Or they get older and they can't, you know, play the way they used to or their voice sounds different. Eminem is still incredibly talented. Like, when he does, like, a song, you're like, oh, he's saying absolutely nothing, but he sure does talk fast. <laughs> yeah, like, he's, he's still got, because uh, I've listened to some modern-day Eminem, and he's still got, like, the the clever word. I, I wouldn't say clever wordplay. That's that's overstating it. But he still he still knows how to put words in, in a structure, right? He's still got the right. basic foundation of what made him great back in the day. It's just... The structure's there, but the substance isn't. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, he's got these clever little turns of phrases, but they don't quite connect. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, that's why for me, like, the, the Eminem song I probably love the most over the last 10 years is the song he did for Venom, just because it's so ridiculous. Mm. The, the, uh, the knock-knock? Uh, yeah, but the devil in. And yeah. he, like, I love the, like, I love 
it just it's also a throwback to like when like movies plots would be rapped about. Yes. <laughs> I just I don't know. I miss I miss that era. You think Will Smith would bring it back? So Will Smith Brian, should be the Brian guy. Mann's favorite song of all time is the uh, Masters and uh, Partners in Crime, the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles rap from the very first <laughs> Turtles movie. Uh, it's up there. It's got to be up there. It's like, and we're gonna spend three and a half minutes rapping about the movie that you just watched. That's I don't know. And and the great thing was because that was also a time period where like obviously the entertainment business was structured completely differently. Where like they could also force that song to be number one. Yes, as yep. well. It isn't just like now and day like Men in Black or Wild Wild West would just like play over the end credits and you'd leave the theater and not think about it. Uh, and it'd be put on like iTunes and you'd never download it. But back then with radio and everything, like you could force it. To just like, yep, number one. Look at this. Will Smith got the number one song in America and the number one movie. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> we all love Wild Wild West. <laughs> I like the song better than the movie. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, yes, that one has stood the test of time. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, Cisco, you got a uh, Cool Mo D, Stevie Wonder Beat. It, so I, it, it, we it all remember the VMA performance. Yes. As, as, yeah, as opposed to who was that? Kevin Klein was like the, the sidekick in that movie. Uh, yes, but even better, uh, Kenneth Branagh as the uh, as the villain. Yes, with the with the spider legs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I left two, I, I left uh, my small intestine for the South. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, Will Smith was not the number one song. It was Eminem with Rihanna, which I guess that that you got Eminem kind of on the downslope or beginning the downslope, and Rihanna on the ascent. So it kind of works. I think she's probably past that. Like she's. She's, I, I would argue, way past his level, but he's he's mm. just an artist who is so big that I think there is a level of people wanting to do a song with him because there's right. some credibility. If you're Rihanna, you grew up listening to his music. Um, I think there's a level of that, and then I think there's also a level of, um, um, you know, he's still a major artist that the studio is going to spend a lot of money to make sure that he has hits. So it's like that time where Edge tag team with Hulk Hogan? Um, I don't know if I would say that because... I, I mean, it is similar. It is certainly similar. I'm trying to think of a slightly <laughs> less prestigious one. Um, I thought you were going to say slightly less racist one. <laughs> hey, I mean, they has Eminem ever said the inordinate song? I don't think so. Okay, which surprises me. Which is like that. That should be and here. We're, we're going on tangents here, but but that's what we do. Like forever all of my, my my caucasian brothers and sisters who get mad they're like we can't say the word and the word like if eminem of all people who would have the the quote-unquote mythological past to say that yeah if he's never said it then then no you timmy that works at uh that works at Publix, you can't say it either sir i do you think we're I'm surprised that he never convinced like Dre to do a song with him called Hood Pass, where it's like Ooh. the new Nakonda response where Dre's like, you're allowed to see it now. <laughs> and it just builds up to, to him at the very end of the song. It's like, guys, listen, I got it. I got it. This thing is, 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 is take this thing down to the courthouse. It is a legal document. <laughs> uh, but every five years, he has to convince a new rapper to renew his Hood Pass. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, that, that'd be great. So we just got to see Eminem trying to convince... Young thug to get him. <laughs> I need this. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, back back to the other guys, Brian. I feel like we've okay. we we've kind of steered away from the, that. That uh, hey, I want to give the time warp its due. All right, so Brian, let's talk some let's talk some numbers here. Cold hard cash. Yes. The other guys, as you mentioned, directed by uh, Adam McKay, had a budget of around ninety five million dollars. What do you think was the worldwide 
box office for this film? Uh, I got to admit, I think I did look. It's around like 160? Uh, 171. 171. Yeah, this was, this was at a time where um, it's so wild. This one, I think, of the Adam Sandler, uh, not the Adam Sandler, of the Will Ferrell, Adam McKay movies. I think this one performed uh, the lowest. I think people were just kind of over the pairing at that point. Mm. And, um, you know, if you'll notice when Adam McKay and Will Ferrell stopped working together, Will Ferrell hasn't really, I, I don't think he's really had a film that's hit. Uh, you know the way that any of his Adam his Adam McKay pairings have they those two really are uh, fantastic together. Um, but I think it was just people were kind of over it. Unfortunately, if you go back and you watch it, I think it's dead and telling. You know, I don't think it's, I think it's forgotten one. People think about their movies together. They think about uh, Anchorman. They think about uh, Step Brothers. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe they think about Talladega Nights. And I don't think they ever think about other guys. Um, it's it's it's, it's kind of fitting, like it's the deserves... it's the other guys, but it's it's kind of like the other film in in the oeuvre of right. of Farrell and McKay. Because I I think we rightly have been just you know concentrating on the first fifteen minutes. Uh, you know, spoiler if you haven't seen it, Dwayne Johnson and Samuel Jackson die uh, in the first fifteen minutes. Very one of the greatest uh, celebrity, one of the greatest deaths in a, in a film. Yeah. Um, followed by because uh, you've you've seen the whole movie before, right? Yeah. And isn't uh it isn't their death where the spoiler alert like they they choose to jump off a building thinking they can land in yeah. the bushes and roll? Isn't it scored to uh, "There Goes My Hero"? My hero by Foo Fighters. Yes, they, like, which, which they're is chasing amazing. these these guys. <laughs> they look at each other. They just like the biggest grins. Hey man, aim for the bushes. Aim for the bushes. They fist bump. They jump out, and there's this great shot following behind, and they just land right on the sidewalk. <laughs> uh, and then the next scene is like uh, an iced tea narrates the film. And he's like, no one knows why they did it. They're like, <laughs> and then when they're like, all at his funeral, their funerals afterwards, all the guys are talking. It's like, yeah, there like wasn't even an awning or anything. There was like, <laughs> there was nothing that could have stopped their fall. <laughs> they're just like so full of themselves that they thought like, yeah, you just jump off a building, why not? Um, and then, uh, but no, but like Michael Keaton is great in this movie. He has a really funny uh, supporting performance. And this is Michael Keaton before Birdman, where he like had his mm, comeback. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's this like at that funeral, there's this great moment where like. Uh, the cops like get in like a fight, but it's a it's a wake, so like they're just whisper fighting the whole time, and then like Michael <laughs> Keaton breaks up and he's whispering too. Michael Keaton has a great running joke where he keeps accidentally quoting TLC, which is phenomenal. Mm, yep, yep. You got uh, you got Bobby Cannavale in there. You got Steve Coogan is really uh, is doing a great uh, some great work as the villain. Um, you got this great subplot where like Mark Wahlberg uh, accidentally shot Derek Jeter before a World Series game. I think it's a really funny movie with a lot of really great stuff in it. Um, it might be a little, you know, a little fat, so to say. Like, uh, this is a point where Adam McKay clearly wants to say something about the financial crisis. Mm. Uh, you know, he's becoming a very heady filmmaker at this point. He, there's something he always wants to say. If you watch Anchorman after this, it's clearly trying to say a lot of things about, you know, cable news. Um, and then he goes on to do Big Short, where he's able to just kind of, like, make movies about the issues he actually wants to talk about. Um, but, yeah, I think the final thing, I mean, and, again, it's crazy that I don't think this movie gets talked about enough. I, I think when people talk about Dwayne Johnson's career, they kind of skip over this and go to Fast Five as the thing that turns things around. But I don't think Fast Five happens if it isn't for this movie. Um, um, for, first of all, Brian, man, you're not going to come up on my podcast and, and subtweet me in front of my face. Mm. Brian, man, because I'm sorry, I didn't realize that was your opinion. I didn't that was... The listeners know, like, like uh, originally this this month's episode was supposed to be uh, Journey to the Mysterious Island because that's oh. the movie that follows Fast Five, and and some of the listeners, uh, sorry, listeners, you'll have to wait. <laughs> yeah, some of the listeners brought up, uh, are you going to do the other guys? And I I'd always planned to do like a 
like a, a catch-all show with mm-hmm. with his cameos and, and maybe his SNL uh, appearances where he where he hosted uh, and make that one separate episode. But the the response from from the postmarks out there mm-hmm. uh, about the other guys was was so uh, fervent that I right. figured uh, I, I needed to do it. And then Brian Mann, you know, came in with the cherry on top and said, "Let's well, make this a a Wahlberg rock sandwich and and do this and painting game." Well, because I would argue this is not a cameo. Mm. In my defense, uh, I mean, he's in the opening credits. He was in the advertising for the film. Um, it's a supporting performance. It isn't. Um, it, it isn't like when he shows up in "Why Did I Get Married Two. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not Reno Nine One One. It's not a. Ooh, I didn't know this guy was showing up. Isn't it funny he's here? Spoiler alert: he Why did I get married to getting its own episode? <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned SNL, and I think that's very interesting um, because uh, The Rock. I don't know if people knew this. Uh, he was the first athlete to be invited back to host SNL uh, when he when he hosted twice as The Rock. Mm. Um, I, I think Charles Barkley was the next one after that. But you know, a lot of times athletes get invited to. Yeah, uh, that's right. Because yeah, Barkley's done it. Barkley's done it twice too, but his was so far apart. But like, I, I think like Jordan hosted, and like they didn't bring him. Like they rarely bring the athletes back because yeah. they're rarely good. But they brought him back, and if you want to count him as an athlete, whatever. Um, Did Triple H host one night? No, Triple H had a cameo in the Rocks episode. That's right. Yeah, the big show on the Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, WrestleMania 2000, I should say. Yep. So that was a very interesting um, sort of thing when you look at the Rocks' uh, uh, career when it comes to SNL. Because if I'm not mistaken, he was actually supposed to host SNL the week. Uh, if I'm, I could be totally off here. I think he was supposed to host SNL the week that Southland Tales was coming out. Mm. And then the writer strike happened. Okay, and that's that, that's another thing that like people have counted as a possible reason why Southland Tales didn't do very well is because the writer strike happened and all the late night shows were canceled, and so there's no press for the movie. Right. Um, but yeah, that's all. We don't need to relitigate that film. Um, but if you look at it, The Rock, I don't think actually gets invited back to host SNL again until after Fast Five. Mm. He does do cameos. If people remember, he would do like uh, the Rock Obama. Yep. So, like, he was clearly big enough for that bit, but he was not big enough. Like, he was big enough to cameo on SNL, not big enough to host. Because I think he was willing to, but he just, again, like, what was he doing doing during this time? It was the game plan. It was Doom. It was, um, you know, that very small role in, in, in um, Get Smart. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think other guys, even though I think if you tell people, hey, did you know other guys exist. Most people forget about this movie. And on top of that, they don't know Dwayne Johnson's in it. Mm. Um, but I do think that this is the first time in a film when you actually see Dwayne Johnson's star persona figured out in a movie. Because if you compare his performance to, in this to what he's doing now with like Jumanji, it's very much a, a piece. Yeah. But if you compare it to like Be Cool, it's like, no, that's a completely different guy. Mm. Yeah, and I would also, you know, kind of tie SNL into this. I think we've we've kind of stumbled onto something here, Brian, because I think you're you're turning me around on on the other guys and its uh and its relevance to Rock's career, particularly the the journey from there to here. Uh, but also, mm-hmm. I think SNL also kind of opened people's eyes mm-hmm. that this is more than just some handsome, muscle bound dude who can do action. Like he's somebody that that has range and has charm and charisma right. and and it really hadn't been taken advantage of in the movies up to that point. Yeah, and that's why I do get so disappointed when he does a film like, you know, when he does a film like a San Andreas mm. or like Rampage. I'm just going to keep going or or Hercules, for example. <laughs> because I do think that like he has a little bit more to offer than that. Yeah. And I think that like you look at a Dumanji 
or a central intelligence, like something that actually allows him to be kind of funny. Yeah, central intelligence uh, is very un- – well, I mean, obviously we'll get to that in, get to it, yeah. in, in months. But it's – I think central intelligence and the, the kind of buddy – Buddy uh, repertoire he's he's built up with Kevin Hart has been a, a big right. help to like later career rock or like skyscraper you mm. know like those kind of movies that just don't let him be funny that don't let him fully yeah. you know for lack of a better term flex those muscles and show what he's really great at and again, like, I don't I understand like why obviously Brian I'm not in the position of of a Hollywood bigwig <laughs> but why why would I hire Dwayne Johnson and not let him be Dwayne Johnson like if 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 you just want him to be like silent muscle guy like this. A million other dudes you could hire that that are cheaper than The Rock. Like if I'm cool. if I'm paying for The Rock, give me The Rock. Not to not to lambast Mr. Maivia here. Um, tre- tread lightly here. The Rock is not going on LinkedIn.com and applying for the position of lead <laughs> role in Skyscraper. The movies he's making and the movies he wants to make. He just like he just should not say I'm gonna do. He just shouldn't do movies where he's not funny. Like, that's his biggest strength. And he got kids movie- to feed, Brian, man, in this tough economic climate that we live in. Well, he, well, when he sells his, his tequila for a billion dollars, I'm not going to feel bad for the guy, okay? <laughs> the guy's doing just fine. It's just, <sighs> I just, I just don't, I, I think that he's a guy who needs to, you know, I think because he is so big, he tries to find movies that are these big things with global appeal. And I think the reason why mm. he doesn't do so many things that are exclusively comedy is because comedies do not perform well overseas. Mm. So I think, yeah, like... Do you, do you also think, Brian, like... Because here's something I've wondered. Like, he makes a ton of movies. Do you think maybe part of that work ethic is a detriment in a way where it's like, sometimes, like, just take a break, dude, and and wait for the right project or pitch the right project. Like, mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't have to be working in a movie that comes... Like, every month we shouldn't be seeing a, 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 an ad or a commercial for, the, for right. a new rock movie. Well, I, I think one of the things with Dwayne is that he – and it's very crazy if you see that, like, he – you can still argue that he is the biggest movie star in the world. But he – when it came. It came when he was 40. And it came after a decade of kind of failure in Hollywood. And so I think that for him, his you know, is I'm going to make as much money as I can. I'm going to hold on to this for as long as I can. And I'm not going to risk losing it. And the idea being that one day um, I will slow down. But mm. right now that is not the time. I think it's the same thing as Robert Downey Jr. and what he has. Where with Robert Downey Jr., it's like, why would I make a small independent movie that might be really great when I, out of nowhere, you know, after becoming sober, in my mid-40s, have yeah. become one of the highest grossing actors in the world? And I think for him, that's why he wraps up Iron Man, and he doesn't say, okay, it's time for me to do that small movie that's going to win me an Oscar. He, insta- he instead says, hey, it's time for me to go do Doolittle. Uh, I think it's the same thing with The Rock, where it's like, okay, I did Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, what do I do now? Well, I'm going to go do Juma- I'm gonna do another Jumanji. Um, I think all of his movies, he wants them to be massive, because I don't think he wants to step back um, and do a – he just doesn't take risks. He just does not take risks anymore. That's kind of what it comes down to. Honestly, though, Brian, man, when you put it that but way. But that is a good segue into the next film we discussed. Yes, well, I was going to say, before we, before we make that segue, when you put it that way, as someone who has now crossed that threshold of being 40, if, let's say, in the next year, ESPN yeah. hires me, I will be the most, I, I will put out the most 
ESPN corporately mandated schlock. Like exactly. It, like like and it, like what happened to Nate? Like he used to be so creative and funny. Now all he does are these stupid ESPN pieces. I would do. Look, I'm, I'm I'm trying to get that check, Brian. Man. Yeah. Like no, I, I suddenly out of nowhere like. You're the guy who's always wearing a, you know, a bright yellow suit and a pink tie yes. on, on, like, uh, on the sidelines every single, in, every single game, and you're like, oh, man. And it's like, I will let my hairline recede and turn into the second coming of Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> Even though in the back of your head you're like, damn, I really wish they'd let me do something on cricket. You're not going to take the risk. You're no. not going to take the risk. <laughs> cricket I know where the money's coming from. I'm going to keep getting it. <laughs> and I think that's the thing. I think that's the thing with The Rock. I think another thing, and this is actually um, – I kind of feel I don't know if you talked about this past episode, but there is another major thing between other guys um, and uh, game, and it happened um, with uh, uh, with Fast Five. I don't know if you talked about this, but do you remember his WWE return? Yeah. So his WWE return happens in 2011 uh, at WrestleMania. It is done to promote Fast Five. Uh, he comes back to host that year's WrestleMania. Uh, I don't know how many people remember this. Is that in that promo, uh, his return promo, he launches his Twitter and Instagram accounts using the handle The Rock. Mm, so yeah. he is he is now using the Rock persona again. He is he is owning that. He has come back to wrestling. He no longer is trying to be Dwayne Johnson's serious actor who is, you know, uh, a little bit smaller and can be cast as a romantic lead. He puts the weight back on. He bulks back up for Fast Five, and he instil- and he instead says, "The Rock is a bigger celebrity than Dwayne Johnson is. Mm. I'm going to make that be my star persona." And honestly, I think other guys does have a place in that because other guys he is straight up playing The Rock yeah. in that movie, and it's the first time he plays The Rock in any of his movies. Um, and I think he realizes, like, wait, why am I trying to reinvent myself? I found a thing that works. Be that thing, and. Um, his he, he one of the major things that has made him the celebrity that he is is the way that he handles his social media. Yep. Um, he paved like he carved a new path and he paved a way. And I think he used social media in a way that vloggers had been using. But I think he was so ahead of the curve in terms of creating a relationship with his audience mm-hmm. and making them want to support him as a person. And if you look at like where Will Smith now is, and yep. he's kind of emulating him, and other celebrities have emulated that. But the fact that he created this way to talk to his audience and make them love him as a person so that when he has a project coming out, even if it's just like Dwayne Johnson signs on for Jumanji 2, okay, he will always have like a four-paragraph Instagram post <laughs> about how like this speaks to him yes. and his like lineage and how like, oh my goodness, I, I have never showed this side. Because he gets people on his side yep. and makes them feel like they need to support his project for him. Um and uh, I don't know. It's like I think that his use of social media was so brilliant, and I think did play a major part. Again, um, I, I think 2011, him coming back to him being, I'm coming back uh, to WWE. I am The Rock. I am on social media um, and Fast Five. I think all those things together um, was really, really brilliant and puts his career on uh, on track because you know not to. Not to run down uh, uh, your love of the man, but if I had to guess, because you are now at this pivot point. You're at the fulcrum in his yeah. career. If the back half of his career looked like the first half of his career, you would not be doing this podcast. Is that fair to say? 
Probably. It'd be like the, the, the rock fell off, so the, we, we're not going to do that. We, like, we yeah. might review a movie here and there, but yeah, it wouldn't be this triumphant journey that, that we're embarking on. And so with all of that in mind, as everyone knows, I do hold the opinion that Dave Bautista has the best um, filmography of any wrestler. Mm. Um, also has the best opinions of any wrestler, if you go on his Twitter account. Mm. Uh, Even more so than woke Kevin Nash, who is secretly one of my favorites. I would say more so than woke Kevin Nash. Uh, the day of this recording, if you want to timestamp it, he, uh, Dave Batista tweeted a very uh, strong endorsement of Bernie Sanders uh, about four months too late. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> but there you go. Come on, Drax. Um, <laughs> could have used it earlier. But uh, I'm glad you bring up Drax. I think the other guys is, um, is Dwayne Johnson's Drax. Uh, Ooh, I think I think it is the moment where because again you look at Dwayne you look at Drax you look at uh, Dave Batista I should say before Drax and it's like what's he doing yeah it's dumb silent like it's his role in um, in Riddick it's his role in um, that that Rob Van Dam movie um, it's when mm. he finally is given a role that allows him to showcase the comedy and charisma that most wrestlers turned actors have but that Hollywood is kind of afraid to show. I mean, John Cena, it really isn't until Cena does like blockers that people go like, oh, wow, look at what this guy is, is capable of. Maybe we should do more of that with him. Um, yeah, John Cena has surprised me with, with mm-hmm. some of these roles. Like, I'm actually excited to see what they do with him in the Fast and Furious universe. Oh, my goodness. Listen, you got to save that for down the road. But, oh, my goodness, what an ultimate uh, final, you know, Fuck you from Vin Diesel. Hey, <laughs> yes. hey, Dwayne, we're replacing you with Cena, just like Vince did. Um, and he's my secret brother. <laughs> ooh, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be so great if they can convince Dwayne to come back for 10 and you get to have one more fight. Yeah, and I think um, he'd do it too. Like, I don't think uh, Rock would have a problem coming back. Uh, the Rock and Vin Diesel cannot be in the same room. Yeah, I think I, – well, see, I think the, the – and we talked about this on the Fast Five episode. Yeah. I think The Rock would suck it up for the benefit of the production and the fans. Vin is the one who I think would not allow that atmosphere to be conducive to working together. Dwayne is the one who convinced him to make an entire spinoff movie around his character. So so who knows? Because I don't know if people knew this. uh, Fast 9 was supposed to come out last year, and Hobbs and Shaw was supposed to come out this year. Which led to Tyrese asking what more do people want from him. Which, listen, not to... to, I gotta... Not to run down Dwayne here. But I, I thought you were getting ready to run be... down Tyrese. I was like, no, leave, of course not. leave Tyrese alone, Brian, man. Full disclosure, I watched Fast Five last night. Here's yes. the thing. I think um, we can all agree in these trying times. We can come together to agree. We would be living in a much better world if we all got to see Fast 9 last year, and this year we were dealing with the regrettable decision to postpone Hobbs and Shaw a year. <laughs> <laughs> I think we would all be fine waiting a year for Hobbs and Shaw. Um, but whatever, that's obviously down the line and what, and, and whatnot. But, um, I, I do think that, uh, to bring it back, I think that the other guys is his Drax. Mm. I do think it's the first major Hollywood role that, again, wasn't seen by many people. I don't think it had this effect on audiences, but I think it's an history to make people sit up and realize, oh, that's what this guy should be doing. That's what this guy is. It isn't just that, like, he had done movies where he got to be the action guy, and he had done movies where he in a way that he hadn't really showcased since he was The Rock. Um, and I think it kind of took that role to make Hollywood rediscover him. And just in the same way that Dave Bautista suddenly starts getting much more interesting movie roles after Drax. It isn't just that he was in a Marvel movie. It's the fact that he steals that movie. That you leave that movie being like, I want to see more 
of Dave Batista, and then he gets to do a Bond movie. You know, he does he does Blade Runner. He does um, you know he gets stupid. He gets all these starring roles, um, and, and I think that's really um, interesting. And, and obviously, like I can talk about Batista being a better uh, actor all day. But I, I think that uh, I've said it over and over again. This will probably be where we wrap up. But I, I do think that uh, the other guys is it, it is the pivot point for for or at least it's the beginning. It's it's the beginning. I mean, I think I think the real pivot point for Dwayne is uh, when he returns on Raw and launches his social media. I think that is the real actual pivot point uh, for him. Well, speaking of pivot points, Brian, we're, we're going to now pivot to our second part of our double feature. Uh, you know, I don't want to belabor the other guys any longer because the, the, this sounds like a backdoor pilot for Brian Mann's uh, Batista box office, which 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 is not <laughs> happening on my watch. <laughs> Listen, I know his finishing move is the Batista bomb, but he doesn't have any in my book. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to what is it? Uh, the, my kid, the spy, or whatever the hell it's called. Oh, my spy. Yeah, uh, my, my spy. Fun fact: my spy, the last theatrically released film before uh, COVID nineteen mm. <laughs> canceled everything. So you'll actually probably be able to see that on VA, VOD within two weeks. Yeah, a, oh, that's another conversation for for another day, Brian. Man, the the effects on the movie industry. Well, listen, it uh, no, we no, we're moving right past that. Moving right past that. Who knows what's going to be the case when people actually get to listen to this episode? It's a your times, Brian. <laughs> This is not Time Warp, if you didn't know, people. You get two Time Warps this week, or this month. And the game premiered on April 26th, Do you know what the number one song on the Billboard Top 40 chart was? And here's a hint for you, Brian, man. It knocked Bowers' Harlem Shake out of the top mm. spot. Well, of course, as we all know, the nation had pain and gain fever. Uh, this film was one at the box office 14 weeks in a row. And uh, interestingly enough, Coolio's Gangster's Paradise became the number one film in America, the number one song in America based off the success of this film. I, I will say, I love, I love how this film ends with Gangster's Paradise. It's, it's a fitting Just kidding, this we bombed. No one saw it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Brian, like, this is, this is, this is the craziest stuff to me. Because I, I've never heard this song in my life. But it was number one for two weeks in 2013. The number okay. one song in the country the week of April 26th was Psy with Gentleman. Oh, wow. Psy, of course, of, of Gangnam Style fame. Yeah, people, I didn't realize, I guess he did have, like, a follow-up. People, like, because <laughs> Gangnam Style was so big, like, yeah. you kind of have to have a follow-up. But, yeah, no one remembers, uh, no remembers that one. Here's the thing, Brian. I went back because I couldn't believe this song, so I had to go back and look at the entire year and see what were the top songs on the, on, on the Billboard 100. Mm-hmm. In 2013, Psy was joined on the top of the charts by such luminaries as the aforementioned Bauer with the Harlem Shake, mm-hmm. Macklemore with Thrift Shop. Oh, God. Psy again with Gangnam Style uh, making a comeback to the top of the charts. Yivis with What Does the Fox Say and two Miley Cyrus songs. Brian, man, what the hell are we doing in 2013? <laughs> Listen, if... if, if- 
I don't know. Obviously, like we we had our issues, but if we could go back to it, were, were we, we was, every, I mean, was everybody just so happy that Obama Obama got elected again that we just l- would let anything be a hit? I mean, we singing about foxes and listen. And, I, I think the real thing is you know appreciate what you have while you have it. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, like some really random songs that I have fleeting memories of. Yeah, like think about now. Everyone was like, "Oh my God, Brett Kavanaugh! Can it get any worse?" And it's like, "Oh yeah, in two in two in two years, you can't leave your fucking house." <laughs> I mean, it gets that's... worse. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Brian, box office here for for Pain and Gain. You mentioned yeah. uh, didn't make much money, but the question is, how much did it make? The budget twenty six million dollars. What was the box yeah. office, Brian? Man, in your in your thing... opinion. Didn't it make like sixty-seven or something? Isn't it or eighty? Like I know it didn't cross a hundred. Uh, it made eighty-six million dollars. That's a shame. That's a shame. You know, because I, I think it, it is. You know, it's a, it's a Michael Bay movie, and I think people just kind of assume of a Michael Bay movie, it's going to do over a certain amount. Yeah. Um, and again, this is one of those interesting films where um, I think it was the sign of something else that could have come. You know, if this movie, I think at least does. 150 i think that probably could have been enough to convince michael bay that you know hey put the put the transformers to bed Mm. you know like move on from this but nope he he responds by just going back and i think doing like three more transformers movies like he just he just plays it safe after this you know um he took his risk he you know cashing his chips on something and um it didn't pay off which um you know is is a little unfortunate, but you know we'll we'll get into that. I feel so bad we talk, we talk so much about other guys because there's a lot to say about this one. So Brian, uh, Pain and Gain is directed, it's directed and produced by man Michael. Bay. It's uh, by Michael Marcus and Philly, and it's based on the uh, book Pain and Gain by Pete Collins, which is so. This movie is based around a true story. It's got elements of a true story, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not exactly a, a, a documentary or or, or a, a true biopic, if if you will. Uh, but it's, Correct. it's I think the biggest. Yeah, I think the biggest factual change I was able to find is that um, the Anthony Mackie character is yeah. actually like four different people that yep. have been merged into one. That, that's the biggest deviation. I mean, oddly, some of the more fantastical moments uh, of this movie are still accurate. One of the best moments uh, in, in the film from a directorial standpoint is when Dwayne Johnson is standing outside barbecuing uh, mm. two people's yep. hands and yep. feet. And he like... Just like twists the barbecue grill and like waves at a cop across the street, and like the movie pauses to throw up on the screen. Yes, this is still a true story. It's like that's I don't know. Like it's Michael Bay, and we'll get talk about this. Like Michael Bay directs at ten. He is cranked all the way up. There is zero subtlety in this movie. Uh, there are scenes that are played completely wrongheaded. Um, I don't think this is the movie that. So that you mentioned the the writers. They're actually the writers that end up writing Captain America. They write all three Captain America movies, and they write really? uh, Infinity War and Endgame. Yes, so, you're right, Marcus McFly. Yeah. I don't know why it didn't connect. They, they, this was kind of like their first like test into the uh. into the world, you know. And so, like oddly so, enough, out of all of them, this pro- they probably experienced the most what, success. What year did because, uh, what year did uh, uh, Winter Soldier come out? Uh, Winter Soldier, I think, would have been like maybe 2014. Oh, because I was I was wondering, like, did was Mackie with this first, and then Winter Soldier, or the other way around? Uh, let me let me look that up. Why not? Because because maybe that don't people will yell yeah. at, their, at their iPhone because yeah, they can some, look it up somewhere in Canada. Brent Chittenden is cussing us out. Sorry, Brent. Uh, Winter Soldier was 2014. Yes. Okay, so maybe without this movie, we don't get Mackie as Sam Wilson, and then later on as Captain America. I mean, here's the thing about this movie because a lot of times, like 
screenwriters, you don't necessarily get hired or not hired based off movies, uh, based off them actually getting produced or what the final product is. You get hired based off what's on the on the page. This is a very good script. Um, mm. And the thing that's so interesting to me is that um, if we're going to talk about the Michael Bay of it all, before we get into the Dwayne of it all, uh, this is essentially him making a Coen Brothers movie. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it you know the Coen Brothers they love to make movies about idiots, you know, committing crimes. Yeah. The difference is the Coen Brothers have an affinity for these people. I actually just a couple days ago because we're all watching so many damn movies. I watched Raising Arizona. And there's like an affinity for these for these simpletons, for lack of a better term. Michael Bay, though, on the other hand, hates everyone. This guy's a misanthrope. He looks <laughs> being. He despises everyone in this movie except for me, Ed Harris. Everyone else, he despises. He despises every single person in this movie. Um, so that's kind of the difference. There's no like, there's no love for the people in, in this movie. He looks down on all of them. He looks down on everybody. He hates humanity. Um, but that's an interesting lens to see. But I can see how if you just read the script on paper. Um, it is a very good script, and I think some of the crazy things that um, Michael Bay brings to it probably aren't in the script. So I can see how this script probably got them hired by Marvel because mm. they were probably writing Winter Soldier before this movie came out. Um, like I don't think they had you know Fat Man goes into bathroom, walks out with diarrhea on the walls. I don't think that was in their script. <laughs> That's probably more of a Michael Bay. Uh, Michael, Michael's edition. like, let me let me punch that up a little bit, fellas. Exactly. <laughs> Or, like, the moment where, like, uh, fucking, um, like, uh, when Mark Wahlberg in the beginning is, like, giving out, like, free bikini waxes. Mm. And they show the woman's, a woman's, like, bikini area, uh, you know, because we're being PG at this point. Uh, and she essentially has, like, a full fucking afro underneath her, like, <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's the subtlety of Michael Bay coming through. Yeah, this, this movie... Here's the thing. I'll start out by saying I like this movie, but mm -hmm. it's it's I feel like the movie is is has conflicting elements amongst itself, right? Like it's this right. it's this dark comedy, but it's also this like crime story. It's also I guess like you're saying Michael Bay's attempt to make a smaller, more artsy film as opposed to like Transformers or Bad Boys. Uh but I don't like there's there's elements I really like. Like I love the cast. Like I think you know with, mm -hmm. with uh, Wahlberg, uh, with Rock, of course, Anthony Mackie, uh, your man's Tony Shalhoub is in here. Uh, oh, so good. Rebel Wilson and like Ed Harris. Like it's it's a really strong cast. But I don't know if at the end of the day it it fully coalesces for me. If that makes any sense, Brian. No, that makes total sense. Um, I, this is a this is a, a prickly film. I understand why people don't like it for the reasons that I just said. Uh, everything I just said could make it sound like it's a negative. I don't. I think this movie is fantastic. I think it's a masterpiece. It's Michael Bay's best movie. Maybe his best movie. Some of his earlier stuff is interesting. I think the film, I think it is a very good script. I think the film has some very interesting things to say about America, mm. the way that it views America, and um, this very, like, muscle-headed uh, way of seeing things and how, like, you know, we're the biggest, you know, we're the biggest place on on Earth. We take what we want. Um, uh, you know, not really understand, like, just it, the only thing that matters is your personal uh, greed and your personal ambitions, you know, but damned who gets hurt by it all. And the fact that it's Michael Bay making that movie mm. is very interesting. Uh, a thing has been very much about American machismo. I mean, you you watch The Rock and like all of his movies, American Flag, constantly blown, like waving in the in, in the background. Bad Voice Two has it. You know, it's it's been a major part of that. You know, America equals might, 
and, and in the core has American everywhere around. Um, it's very interesting. He tells that story. So many scenes where people are standing in front of their flags. They have their gym. Um, the fact that he will have this very scathing critique about the film, because that's the other thing. He could have taken the script and cut all of that out. Or maybe it wasn't even there. Maybe he put it in there. Who knows? Um, but I, I think that the commentary works really well. And I think his actual misanthropic, uh, you know, kind of like way of directing the film, I think actually kind of serves the material well. So let's let's kind of talk about this cast. And, and before we get to the, the mm-hmm. man of the hour, Brian Mann, uh, our boy That's DJ. The main event. And I've got some big, I got some big <laughs> takes there. Before we get to DJ, I, I want to start with Mark Wahlberg because he is where the, you know the film starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like it's, it's like again, I, I I'm big, I, this, I'm strong. Yeah, this is a Michael. There's like I, I uh, and I, I'm stumbling over my words because I have a love hate relationship with that man, Michael Bay. And mm-hmm. like I think most, like most, if not all, of the Transformers is, is hot garbage, uh, and it's trampled upon my childhood. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you can say oh you don't have to i'm not going to speak up for any of them it's it's trampled upon my childhood but i do like uh the bad boy series and maybe that's more due in part to the leads than maybe mm-hmm. this, the film itself and i think maybe that's how i feel about pain and gain because i really like mark Wahlberg in this role i think him and rock and anthony mackie have a good little uh back and forth uh what what do you think mark Wahlberg brings to this picture and, and you know, we talked earlier about kind of the similarities be- between him and The Rock and their journeys through Hollywood. Uh, at this point in the game, like, like, what do you feel about Mark Wahlberg, Wahlberg as an actor? Oh, I, I mean, I think he is great at these kind of roles. He's great when he's playing low class. He isn't very good when you make him the kind of infallible hero. He mm. needs to have something to prove. He needs to be uh, beaten down a little bit. I mean, that's what you get in Boogie Nights. That's yeah. what you kind of get in, um, even like Departed, where he isn't, you know, he still is like having to prove something. Um, of course, Departed being what he gets nominated for an Oscar for. It kind of works in The Fighter, even though he's a little bland. The other actors in the film kind of get to be the interesting ones. But I think this film uses him perfectly, and other guys. I would argue those are maybe his two best, mm. two of his better comedic performances. I still think I Heart Huckabees is probably his best performance, but I think he is so well cast here and so well utilized. Um, you know, he's just, he's great. And he's, he's, he, he clearly has, you know, I, I think he's a, he's an actor who it's, it's sometimes you can watch a Mark Wahlberg performance and tell that he doesn't like the character he's playing. Um, not because they're a bad person, because he thinks they're a nerd. Mm. Like you watch the, the happening. He clearly thinks the character he's playing is a nerd. <laughs> like he wants to beat up the character he's playing, but you watch him in this movie. And I think he brings a lot of heart and sympathy um, and comedy, I think it's very difficult. I think it's very, very difficult to make this character. I don't. I wouldn't say likable, um, mm. but to make him appear um, threatening while never um, being difficult to watch and never really turning you off. Um, he's just this. He's this ambitious guy who just his his. Really, his reach exceeds his grasp. That's really what it comes down to. That's you know, him in a nutshell. He, he kind of reminds me of, and, and uh, you know, him, uh, Mark Wahlberg as uh, Daniel, uh, Anthony Mackie as Adrian, and then uh, Rock as uh, Paul. Like, none of these guys are, like you said, they're not, despite the actors being charming, the, these characters, these men, aren't mm-hmm. likable. Like, you wouldn't want, if you met these guys in real life, you wouldn't want to spend more than five minutes around them. Yeah. But. And I, th- I think you said, I think charisma really is 
what even down to the Tony Chaloup character. Like yes. I find this movie so watchable, and it's because of how electric the performances are. Yep. They are playing truly vile people, and you're not mm. supposed to like anybody. Like the thing that's interesting about the Tony Chaloup character um, is that he is absolutely the victim here. Like he's not innocent. Yeah. But the cops don't believe his story because he is. A, it doesn't make sense, and B, he's just—he's a prick. Like yeah. no one wants to help this guy. And, and, the, and the, if you read like the, the true story, like they—they—they they, they allude to it. Like yeah, the, the cops aren't going to do anything because because right. he—he's an a-hole. And that's not a screenwriting device. That was the true story. That's mm. what happened. They—they—they—the—the they, they, the, the Sun Jim, uh, the Sun Jim gang would have gotten away with it had they not tried to do it on a second person, mm. and yep. it had gone so wrong. They got away from it because this guy was such an asshole. No one wanted to help him. <laughs> Yep, and it was the perfect victim in that in that regard. It's like these, like all three of these guys, they kind of, they kind of feel to me, and I don't know if if you get any of this from your viewings of the film, Brian, but they kind of feel like little mini versions of uh, Denzel's Frank Lucas. Mm-hmm. Uh, fr- uh, from uh, damn, what was the, what was the name Training of the movie? Day. Yeah, no, not Training Day. Uh, oh, sorry, uh, uh, American Gangster. American Gangster, yeah. Like these are all little mini American gangsters. Mm-hmm. And like where Frank Lucas had the charm, Frank Lucas, you know he's he's not a good human being, but you can see why these other people want to follow him. You can see why they all want to, you know, get involved in this scheme and get involved in these machinations. And so, yeah, like I, I think Mark Wahlberg is the perfect person, even though like he's still a little too Boston to be hanging out in Miami for my taste. But I think like Mark Wahlberg is the perfect kind of actor to to kind of build this movie around. Um, yeah, I, I think he's, he's really, I don't know. I think he's just really fantastic, uh, in, in this movie. I think he's, I think he's funny. I think he's very quotable. Um, he's perfectly cast. I mean, I think some of the supporting characters, some of the supporting, uh, roles aren't, mm. I think that's maybe where the film kind of falls apart a little bit. Um, I think they're a little obvious. Are, 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 are you speaking on, on, on one person in particular who may or may not have his name in the title of this podcast, Brian Mann? No, no, I'm talking about Ken Jeong and uh, ah. Wilson. <laughs> I just think oh. some of the, I think some of the support, and, and to an extent, Rob Corddry. I just think yeah. casting such straight comedic actors yeah, in those right, supporting right. roles, I think, kind of dilutes them a yeah. little bit too much. Whereas Tony Shalhoub is an actor who can play both sides very well and yes. deliver these very full fledged things. Whereas, yes. no offense to Rebel Wilson, um, but like her character never gets past like, oh, she's like. She's like plus size, isn't that funny? Yeah, like that's like, the whole character. Like I love Rubble Wilson, but like I don't need like I'm not here for you being in bed with Anthony Mackie and a pair of nunchucks. Like <laughs> this, this is not adding to my story. And again, that's that's Michael Bay directing at ten. And I so for me, even when the movie overshoots, uh, it's it's landing so to say when when the film uh, <laughs> does pulls a Daniel Lugo and its reach exceeds its grasp. Um, the movie is so fast paced that it doesn't stick around for very long. Mm. Um, I, I think the Goodfellas-esque, you know, monologue, you know, uh, internal monologue way of telling the story, I think works so well. I mean, what would you say? Like, at least 80% of this movie is narrated? Um, yeah. And I think that that works really well. And and, and I think that, um, you know, to, Mar- to to Michael Bay's credit, I think that he, um, he steers the ship admirably. Uh, and... I like. I was just. I, I, I. Did you see any of his uh, his movie Six Underground, the new Michael, the new uh, Netflix movie he made? No. So it's not very good, and all the things <laughs> that people like kind of run down Michael Bay for are there. But I got to be honest, 
I kind of, again, you don't know what you have till it's gone. I miss the days when we had a major filmmaker making blockbuster movies that we could all complain about. Now mm. every blockbuster movie looks the same. They're dumb. They, they all feel the same. There's nothing special about them. I would love to have the misanthropic Michael Bay back. Like, <laughs> bring back the, the wrong-headed Michael Bay who, like, in Transformers has Harriet Tubman helping fucking Optimus Prime. Mm. Bring someone, bring that brain back. To, to, to studios. Well, we, well, we've, got, that we've got jive talking cop cars. Yeah. <laughs> Bring that back. Uh, like just something weird that we could all get angry about. But yeah. like it at least has like a point of view. You don't get that anymore. Like we got the guy fucking Dwayne Johnson's making uh billion dollar movies with the director of Dodgeball. Come on. <laughs> but let's I, I don't know, uh again, I don't know where you're at on your list. But, I mean uh, you, you you brought up the man's name, so I think we yeah. should go there next. Uh Dwayne the Rock Johnson uh, playing Paul Doyle, uh, and I guess like I read somewhere that Rock originally wanted to back out of the role. Um, hey, listen, it, 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 the guy's long role, uh, you know, in, in his long line of avoiding interesting roles, it doesn't surprise me. Um, but um, yeah, cause, uh, what, I'm, what I'm reading here is uh, he he almost backed out of the role. Uh, not because he didn't find the character interesting, but because it was so removed from where his comfort zone was. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a challenge for him. I'm assuming he did get paid as much yeah. uh, because this was a smaller budgeted movie. You got, um, you got to pay extra if you want me to do cocaine in the movie. <laughs> God, and what, his downfall is so incredible. Um, actually, that's what most of my notes about the movie are is, mm. is on his performance. But do you want uh, do you want to start with my hot take uh, about this role, or do you want me to Uh-oh. do you want to build up to it? Let, let, let's let's keep let's, let's uh, build it up. Let, let's keep the listeners in suspense here. Okay, I will holster that opinion then, uh, and we'll build up to it. Um, I think I think he's just um, he he's perfectly cast, and I think mm. the thing that um, I, I will be surprised if he ever gives a performance better than this. Um, I know that he, for whatever reason, like he really wants to do like a Conway Twitty movie. I think like that's his like I could be wrong, but like I think a that's biopic. His, he wants that. He wants. I forget who the singer was. There's like some country singer that he wants to do a biopic of. And I'm like that's his dream project. Um, but the thing that's so interesting is that he, his size, makes it hard for him to get cast in some stuff. Yeah, and that's why he lost that weight before realizing like, oh no, I need to actually put on all the weight and just like just play this one character. Um, but that does make it hard for him to be cast. And I think this is also a movie that he would not do now because it's a smaller movie. He didn't get paid as much. And I think that had this movie not lost money, like had this movie had crossed $100 million, had it been seen as a modest success, I think he probably would have done one of these again. I think he might have done like a smaller – like when you have um, Mark Wahlberg, Mark Peter Boots, I think he done that. I think he maybe would have found an insurer just like how, or how you know, Wahlberg does Ridley Scott. Like maybe Dwayne could be because every fourth movie. Right. I'll work an interesting filmmaker. For me, that is not a budget. He's not going to do a Sundance movie. But he could at least be convinced to do like a $40 million movie. But I think because he doesn't do very well – um, you know what I'd love to see Dwayne work with uh, on, a, on a tangent here, Brian? Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about, you know, kind of these interesting directors and, and people who push boundaries. And even though he has a couple big budget, you know, franchise kind of films under his belt, I'd love mm-hmm. to see Rock work with Ryan Coogler. And see what Coogler I, could, I could do with, with the Rock's talent. I think Ryan Coogler is such a, 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 a marquee name that I would absolutely see that. I, I don't know if I see Dwayne forfeiting that much control. Mm. Um, but I think the perfect name to look at is a guy like Shane Black. 
who okay. shaped black, it has been attached to write and direct his Black Adam movie. But again, that is a big thing. It's him playing a superhero. Yeah. Um, I could see him working with Shane Black in the, hey, we're going to do a DC movie together and I'm the boss. But would Dwayne Johnson make Nice Guys, for example? No. I don't think he would star in a movie like that. I don't think he would star in the $50 million movie that is hoping to make $200 million. Right. Um, like, I don't think he's willing to take that risk. He wants to make the $200 million movie that's going to make a billion. Mm. It, had, it had Pain and Gain been more of a success, had it done $200, uh, had he been recognized for his work in that film a little bit more, I think he would have made a more interesting career. But so far, you look at the guy's career, he's really only rewarded when he does the huge, big-budget swing for the fences thing, and that's why he's going to do more of that. It's, it's a weird chicken-and-egg kind of scenario. Right. But you look at this. I mean, the thing that I love about his role in Pain and Gain is that it's one of the few roles that makes sense for him to be the size that he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it allows him to be funny, plays his charisma, but it is different. It isn't just him being like, you watch Jumanji, you watch any of these movies. I mean, the way he delivers one-liners in Jumanji is the same way he delivers one-liners in Journey 2. I'm Dwayne Johnson, this is how I deliver one-liners. <laughs> but his speech patterns and his choices are so weird. I mean, the scene where he's like at the wedding with his toe... That's been shot off. Yes. That's crazy. My favorite scene of his comedically in the film is when they're doing the, like, neighborhood watch presentation. And he's just, like, coked out. And he's like, bad people are everywhere. He's, like, so weird in that scene. And he's making such interesting choices. And they all work. I I think it's – I do think – this is his best work as an actor. Is this it film. feels like, uh, in in a way, you know, because we talked earlier about his earlier roles, like, like in Be Cool or in Southland Tales. It feels like a little bit of that, but you add the size that he's had in the fast films and and mm-hmm. and things like that, and you kind of hone them down and refine them down together. So where you get this interesting character who still looks like a monster, right? And he's kind of playing like this, not quite a gentle giant. Because he does have like this anger to him. I love the part where he's like, he's he's like high on cocaine, and he's like, I got to do. Sorry, I feel a superset coming on, or like yeah. he's like trying to like redeem Kirshner's, uh, 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 uh or Kershaw's soul, and he and he's like they're talking about like religion, and he has that great line where he's like, the Lord blesses everyone with gifts, and mine is knocking people the fuck out. <laughs> like, he's so great, and he makes every one of his lines so memorable, and yeah. and I do think that if this film had been seen by more people. This this is an iconic role. I think it's an iconic role, and I think he gives an iconic performance. Unfortunately, he gave it in a movie that no one saw. Mm. So, I guess before before we get to your your super hot take, Brian. Man, yeah. Why do you think this movie didn't resonate with a lot of people? Um, I think it's a tough sell, and I think it came out at that unfortunately that time period where studios just decided to stop making dramas. Mm. Uh, this movie would not get made today. It would maybe get made for half as much money on Netflix. I was going to say, it'd probably um, be like a, a, on a streaming service or, or HBO honestly, Max. A quarter, a quarter as much money, not even half. Mm. Um, it just, it's, 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 it's a drama. It's a drama. It's a, a, it's a story about characters. So even though Michael Bay, who has such a massive track record, has, has so many favors owed to him, and he finally gets them and gets them to make this movie for 60 uh, or – is it 40? Like, like $40 million dollars. It still only makes about eighty. It was, oh, it was only twenty six, which like I'm like I don't think I've ever oh, seen a, yeah. a Michael Bay movie with that low of a budget. <laughs> and here's the wild thing: if this movie came out today, it would do significantly better mm. simply by having Dwayne Johnson attached to it. And that's the yeah. thing that's also kind of frustrating that he that Dwayne doesn't take risks because I think if Dwayne were to do a movie like this, um, like take for example Central Intelligence, right? 
Central Intelligence doesn't make as much money as Skyscraper, but it's still a huge financial success yeah. because it costs less money. And I wish he would kind of say, hey, I'm going to do a $60 million movie. And he just doesn't do those. And um, I think the reason why this just didn't get the attention is that um, Mackie wasn't really a star yet. Mark mm. Wahlberg has kind of been hit or miss, honestly, when it comes to his box office draw. And Dwayne was was not really much at this point either. Yeah. Um, I, he had Fast Five, but that was kind of it. And and I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but when he did um, uh, SNL uh, in, I think, 2013 to promote G.I. Joe, do you remember the song he sang for his monologue? He's well. He's saying this this song called "Franchise Viagra." Yes, the joke yep, being is that yep. you bring him in, he's going to goose up your franchise and yes. make it make money. I think that's wishful thinking on his behalf. Uh, him joining Fast Five is not what made Fast Five uh, what it was. It was the studio reinvesting in it, uh, upping the stakes, changing um, uh, changing uh, the approach to the series. And also, quite frankly, the fact that it got really good reviews. Um, mm. Him being in G.I. Joe, I don't think, made that movie make more money. Um, I think he wanted to frame it that way, but I don't think that's quite... The Rock is, is, is like Kevin Durant. Like he's, when Kevin Durant went to the Warriors, the Warriors were already a championship team, but he put them... He made them like a record-setting championship team. Right. And I think like Fast and the Furious, we talked about this last, last episode. Like Fast and Furious was already on the comeback after mm-hmm. uh, the Fast and the Furious 4, which kind of brought the franchise back after right. Tokyo Drift and, and Too Fast, Too Furious. And then Kevin Durant, a.k.a. The Rock, joins this team that's already on the upswing, and he helps accelerate the upswing, but he didn't, he didn't bring it back from the dead. No. People weren't seeing Fast Five because of him. You no. can maybe argue people were seeing G.I. Joe because of him, um, but you can't yeah, argue I think Yeah, I think G.I. Joe was probably a better example because he was, he was the star of G.I. Joe. Yeah. Whereas with Fast and the Furious, he was a big name, but it was still Paul Walker and Vin Diesel's movie. And is it G.I. Joe didn't do that great. Like, there's a reason why we haven't gotten another one. Like, it did better. Like, it did okay, but it didn't do good enough for them to, you know, make another mm, film. Maybe, maybe Michael I, Bay needs to make G.I. Joe 3. Here's the thing. I, Dwayne loves having his names attached to franchises. If G.I. Joe had done better, I think he absolutely would have done another one. Um, but this all leads up, my, my big take, my hot Uh-oh. take. Are you ready for it? Let's go. Dwayne Johnson should not have only been nominated. He should have won the 2014 Best Supporting Actor for Pain and Gain. Wow. <laughs> that, is, that is a hot take, Brian, man. I, who who right, won? Who won in 2014? Uh, so here's the funny thing. Uh, this is a role everyone forgets, given by an actor who, if he gave this performance today, would be absolutely canceled. <laughs> Jared Lido for Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> Oh, wow. Playing a, 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 a trans character who, if he tried to give that performance today, I don't think he would be allowed. <laughs> I, I forgot think, uh, all about that movie. Yes. Uh, it got McConaughey an Oscar as well, unfortunately. Yep. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, Jared Leto wins for that. Here are the other nominees. Barkhad Odby for Captain Phillips. Fine performance. Oh, that, that's, my, that's my man. Uh, I'm the captain now. I'm the captain now. Didn't really work again after that. Mm. Uh, Bradley Cooper for American Hustle, which, okay, okay. Uh, you know, Bradley Cooper, which, by the way, fun fact, Bradley Cooper been nominated for seven Oscars. Hasn't won yet. Mm. Uh, Michael Fassbender for 12 Years a Slave. Mm. Okay. And Jonah Hill for Wolf of Wall Street. I would say Dwayne Johnson is better than all five of those performances. Yeah. I think had he gotten a little bit more um and again this movie they released it in may uh or or around about there they're trying to do a summer thing 
had they rolled the dice and released this thing in November, and Dwayne Johnson won like a couple critics awards, maybe got a Golden Globe nomination, um, I think he probably would value these kind of things and want to take risks. He's just he does not take risks anymore. It's a shame because um, I don't know if he will have a better role come his way. Mm. Um, because I think this is so perfectly suited to him and his skills and his size. Um, I, I think this is his best work. Um, I think it's fantastic. If the people listening haven't seen this movie, um, even if you don't like the movie itself, which I can understand, um, I, I think his performance is undeniably um, really fantastic. All right, Brian, man. We, we can't leave this 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 movie without talking about the main event. You know, we, we talked about Rock. We talked about Wahlberg. We talked about your man, Anthony Mackie, Michael Bay, yeah. uh, your man, Tony Shalhoub. But, of course, for all the listeners to this program, I'm sure, what they really want to talk about, Brian, man, mm-hmm. is Rock versus Angle. Yes, I did have that as one of my notes. This was the <laughs> No Mercy 2001 uh, rematch that we've all been waiting for. Oh. <laughs> yes, Kurt Angle does have a small role um, because of this because they did shoot this film in Florida. Uh, yep. He was a Florida-based stuntman at the time. Uh, <laughs> so they do have a brief. Uh, and this is when uh, he was uh, with TNA, I believe. He would have been with TNA at this time, yes. So we got a WWE guy and a TNA guy fighting in a Michael Bay flick. <laughs> 20... Who else could have brought it together? <laughs> That's what happens in 2013 when Cy has two number one hits. <laughs> not, not since uh, not since a WWE guy beat a WCW guy for an ECW belt mm. have we seen such crossover. <laughs> um, before we get to our ratings, Brian, man, yes. uh, just kind of looking overall at, at this this film because, like I said, like I I guess the easiest, uh, the most clear way to say it is I enjoy this film. I don't quite know if I like it or love it, though. Like, I, I think, like, the main performances are all captivating and, and they're engrossing. Uh, I think, for the most part, the narrative of the film works. Uh, you know, I, I love Mark Wahlberg. Like, I think Mark Wahlberg, this might be one of my favorite Wahlberg roles. Uh, it would definitely be in the top five. It's in the top five for me. Yeah, I, I think, like, he just kind of fits with this character, this scrappy guy that's had to f- hustle and fight, but then he goes a little too far, and now... He's he's made his life worse mm-hmm. than it was before, uh, but I, I I don't know. Again, I've I've only seen this twice. I saw it once, probably in 2014 or 2015, and then once again this week, getting ready for the review. Yeah, well, uh, this is probably my sixth time watching. Ah, this movie. okay. <laughs> um, so so for you, uh, like what for any of the listeners that haven't seen this movie, what, what what would you say would be kind of the high points that you would recommend them checking out Pain and Game for? Um. Yeah, I think I think um, just for start, I think it's interesting to see Michael Bay doing something completely uh, different for him. This is not the kind of film that you ever, uh, you know, <laughs> obviously think about him uh, making. Um, I think that the performances across the board are all really great. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, by and large, I love, I love, I, I, I think also just seeing the way that Michael Bay shoots a movie that's small and about, you know, I, I think just like, I guess it's like just about him. You can play out, you know, how it's not what you want it to do, how you know, it makes mistakes. And, and for me, I, I think it's like beautiful terms. And yeah, like, can you close your eyes and imagine a more traditional movie would have done with this? Yeah, maybe it would have made a better movie. Um, but my biggest weird way of shooting a movie like this, like, think about like the scene where they uh, abduct uh, Kershaw, and it's like, 
Anthony Mackie is like confronting him and like the camera spinning around them for no reason. And then like <laughs> they, they, they shock the side of his head with the, with the, with the, uh, um, with the, with the taser. And like, it's a slow motion shot. And there's like this huge, like saliva bubble that comes out of Tony Shalhoub's mouth. And it's like, yeah, that's, Michael Bay doing it to Tin, you know? Yeah. I, I don't think any other director would have done that. So just, like, the weird personality that this movie has, mm. um, I think, is so great. Um, yeah, it's just, like, there really is no movie... There's there's no movie like it. There's movies that are similar to it. Uh, again, I think you can look at the script and say, oh, I can see how the Coen brothers would have made this movie. Uh, I mean, Burn After Reading is probably pretty similar to what the Coen brothers' version of this movie would have been. Um, but... I, I just think that it's so weird. And honestly, a movie that's about like these, you know, in over their head, you know, uh, gym rat guys. Like I kind of want Michael Bay telling that story. Mm. I want the gym rat director to be the <laughs> one uh, directing it. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, I guess it, it, this would be the best to, uh, uh, to our, to the viewers of a, of a, uh, the listeners to a show like this. The movie feels like uh, Vince McMahon watched Fargo and then told you about it. <laughs> That's what this movie is. Uh, that's, that's, that's God that. damn, then there's this cop and yep. he figures it all out. That's actually a brilliant comparison. Because, like, yeah, the, when I was watching this, I think I felt like, yeah, like this This feels like Michael Bay or, or to your example, Vince McMahon trying to do a little indie film. Yes. But, but they don't know how to turn that knob down, like you said. No, you absolutely. This movie cost sixty million dollars, or how much you say, forty? Uh, twenty six. Which again, twenty six. Okay. Twenty six million dollars, which is crazy. But again, a different director could have made this movie for four. Like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's not a lot of like huge effect stuff going on. Yeah. Um. There's also, I mean, if I'm going to say one negative about it, because it is Michael Bay, there's a lot of weird homophobia jokes in this that, mm. if I had to say, probably weren't in the script. But I do think work. For it, I think it would make sense that these characters, and I think it is an interesting dichotomy with these characters who are like so fascinated by their own bodies, but yeah. are like so horrified by the concept of uh, of, of homosexuality. Um, yeah, I, th- I think, like, I think like one of my favorite little little moments, and it's not uh, it doesn't have to do with uh, what you're talking about with the homophobia, but it's yeah. like uh, I think it's like it, it might be the first time they meet uh, Paul, they meet Rock, and mm-hmm. uh. uh uh, Danny's giving him the pitch. Wahlberg's giving him the pitch, and the whole time Mackie's just sitting there. So, uh, what do you do? Do you uh, do uh, amino before, or after yeah. you're set? And he's trying to get all these workout tips while well, then, Mark Wahlberg's trying to set up this plan. There is something kind of like so lovable about the way these guys are all in over their head. I mean, you have this Anthony Mackie who like he just wants to be buff. He like there's that great scene where him and Dwayne are like in the strip club, and he's like talking about drinking breast milk. <laughs> and, and it's like and, and Dwayne is just like why would I be doing that and it's yeah. just like trust me no I get it from this girl she's totally clean you should be doing it <laughs> and then you have Dwayne who's like trying so hard to be like this born again Christian mm. um, and you have Mark who is uh, um, I, I think the big thing about this is like it's such a well written screenplay and I think it really does show the skill of these guys and we've obviously seen what they've been able to go on and do with characters in Marvel yeah. but I think I, I think that he just writes all they just write all these characters so well and i think they're so beautifully played these these you know three lead characters um and and the fact that to anthony i mean to to michael bay's credit he gets three really great actors Mm. to play those roles i mean there could be a different world where you kind of drop the ball on one of these three roles um and maybe you don't maybe you cast someone who can't quite carry the load but i think this film works so much because of those three leads uh their chemistry and 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 the charisma and what they bring to it i mean 
an actor less talented than Anthony Mackie, like, just like, oh, yeah, this guy who's, uh, you know, like, taking too many steroids and his dick doesn't work anymore. But he makes him a real character. Yeah. Um, it's a real testament to all three of these guys uh, how much you like uh, um, you like their characters. Yeah, I would say like that. That for me is, yeah, these are not good people, but the actors that they chose make you want to make you want to root for them, even though, you know, they're like despicable individuals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with this movie like that. I didn't think I would because, uh, again, I watched it back in 2014 and never, never thought to watch it again. And maybe yeah. maybe I don't know, like maybe it was the advertising that didn't fit with what the movie actually was like for whatever reason i felt like what i went to go see in the in the uh not on the in the theater but what i bought on dvd wasn't what they sold me yeah yeah i, I don't think they they sold this as a comedy mm. as much as they probably should have um i i mean i don't really remember the advertising yeah, especially when you talk well. about like the like the rebel wilson stuff and like it yeah like they I think they sold it more of like, because I don't even remember Mackie in any of the uh, commercials. It well, felt he wasn't like, much of anything at that time. I mean, he would have just done like Hurt Locker. Like yeah. he was, he was not established. It yet. totally felt like a Rock Wahlberg like buddy action film. Mm -hmm. And then, like, I mean, there's elements of that, but it's it's obviously like you said, more quirky and more funny and kind of more on a smaller scale than than they pitched it as. And also like. Even though Michael Bay does has done these massive films, if you think about it, it had been a long time since a film was promoted as like a Michael Bay movie. Right. Um, if you think about it, the previous one would have been like The Island, and that didn't do very well either. I mean, his mm. he was just attached to these big franchises. So you said the the box office results were off on an island. Uh, yes. Yeah. Which, by the way, The Island <laughs> I, I don't completely hate. All right. So let's find out how much you love or hate these films, Brian Man, because it is yes. time. To rate both the other guys and Pain and Gain for listeners who are new to the program, we have a patented rating system uh, on a scale of one to five. If we think a movie is great, if a movie is perfect, if, if the movie is well told, well shot, and takes advantage of Dwayne Johnson's talents, that's a five out of five. We just went one on one with a great one. If a movie is good, if it's solid, but there's one thing or two things that keep it from being on that next level, that's a four out of five. That's the people's champ. If a movie is solid, if it's competently made, if it's good, but it's neither great nor terrible, if it's kind of right there in the middle, that's a three out of five. That is a know your role. Uh, if a movie is a two out of five, that is a jabroni joint. Uh, I did skip. We, we have the new uh, scale since the last time you've been here, Brian Man. Uh, Jimmy Corderas instituted a new ranking. Uh, if, <laughs> if the movie is is better than bad but less than good, that's a 2.5. That's a shut your mouth and know your role. So that's Jimmy Corderas' addition to the proceedings here. Do I, here's the thing, Nate. Have you been listening to me for the last hour and a half? I don't even see why you're explaining any of the ratings below a four. I mean, I, I just just in case, just in case. <laughs> uh, and, no, and if a movie is terrible, if a movie is the worst thing you've ever seen, Brian, man, if a movie does a disservice to cinema and to Dwayne The Rock Johnson, if a movie is Doom, that's a one out of five. That is a rock bottom. So, Brian, man, let's start off with... So is the, Doom still the rock bottom for you? Is that his absolute yeah, to worst? To me, Doom okay. is still the worst because okay. it's a bad movie that doesn't know how to use The Rock. Okay, and I think like that's the like if, if like we've seen plenty of 
decent movies that The Rock is bad in, and we've also seen mm-hmm. plenty of bad movies where The Rock, you know, his charm kind of lifts up the thing. But Doom didn't either. Like, Doom was a bad video game adaptation that also made The Rock unlikable. (laughs) Now, here's my question, uh, talking about these movies. Are we, refresh my memory, are we rating the overall quality of the film, or are we rating the quality of Dwayne in the films? Both. Like, we're also, we're rating the overall quality, but if you want to give an addendum, a side note on DJ's performance, you you can do that as well. So, uh, with the other guys from 2010, Brian Mann, what would you give that film? He he is he's given a five. He's a five. He is without a doubt. Uh, yeah, he's he's at at his his height. I would say in this. Um, and actually, I'm going to spoil that. He's he's a five in both. He's a five in both. Uh, the fact that I said we should give him an Oscar for Bane Game should not be a spoiler there. Um, <laughs> however, with other guys, it kind of almost feels unfair um, to judge the film as a whole uh, based on based on him because he you know leaves after 15 minutes. Yeah. But I would still say overall that film, I'd probably give it a. Um, What's a four? Four is a people's champ. I give it a people's champ. I'll okay. People's champ. So you're giving the the film, uh, the people's champ, and you're giving Dwayne's performance one on one with the great one. Yes. Uh, I think for the other guys, you're right because when you th- when you think about that kind of McKay Farrell catalog, it's the the forgotten film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think going back and watching it, I I like it. It's it's tough because those other films are just so like they're ingrained into uh, kind of pop culture consciousness, right? When you talk about like Step Brothers and and like there's something about Talladega Nights, even though I think uh, other guys is better, but there's something about Talladega Nights that just like the the whole Ricky Bobby deal and and and, and your man Ving Rhames, not Ving Rhames, uh, Michael Clark. Is it Michael Clark? Oof. Yeah, Michael it's Clark. Michael Duncan. Clark. Yeah. R.I.P. Let's not yes. talk about singing uh, problematic. Le- you got those two confused. Singing. <laughs> hey, I'm allowed to do it. I have to pass. Oh, you can be problematic. I, I can. can. <laughs> okay. You you've got to get uh, Dr. Dre to vouch for you before you can be problematic in that way, Brian. Yeah, man. I just can't tell. I can't tell Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson apart. You have that problem. <laughs> there, you, there you go. You can say that. You can say that. Uh, but yeah, I think in terms of rocks performance i think him and samuel jackson are are really good together like i would love if like i think if that movie were made i don't know if if it were made a little bit more closer to now like maybe not in 2019 or 2020 but maybe in 2014 like they would have put like a a side mission on the dvd release Mm-hmm. With like you know a, a twenty minute mission with just uh, Jackson and, and, and Johnson. Oh, definitely back when people like still buy DVDs. Yeah, that yeah. would have been a DVD 100%. extra, just a day in the life of the top cops. Uh, so yeah, I'd, 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 and I'd love if they did a, a prequel, which which will never happen, but I'd still love it. Uh, so I think I give Dwayne. I'm gonna give him a five. I, I agree with you. I think this is a turning point for him, where he instead of trying to um, uh, distance himself from who he was. He embraces it and integrates it into who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I give him a five. For the film, uh, I give the film a four out of five. So we're, we're, we're in lockstep. We're in agreement. Okay. People's champ for the film, great one for rock. Now, Brian, now here's, here's where I think uh, our, our two ways may, may, may part here. Uh, Pain and Gain, 2013. Yes. What do you give the film? What do you give rock's performance? I, I, I defend this movie. 
I really do. And by defend, I mean I don't just like say that I, I defend it. People come for this thing, and I I defend it. Um, I I. I don't know. I got. I. I honestly, I'm going to say great one. I'm mm. going to say great one for wow. the film as well because I. I think it is just a unique thing. Um, are there things that could be better? Are there things I wish weren't in there? Absolutely. But um, I'd rather have a, a flawed version of this film than not have it at all. Um, I think it gets more right than wrong, um, and I am entertained throughout the entire thing. I mean, this isn't. Like, I'm never checking. This isn't where. Um, you know, I think. It like, sets out to, um, and it's apologetically what it is, and um, I don't think Dwayne will ever be better than he is in some. So you give me and Dwayne a five out of five again, or I mean uh, both. But so yeah, so so you get two five out of fives for films, uh, or four five for other guys, five, five for painting games. We got two fives from Brian. Like, high praise for the man. Uh, Absolutely, let's see. that's why that's why I had to come through. For, for me, I think. I really like the rock in this. I think, like, just the, the, the kind of trio of rock, Mackie, and Wahlberg work really well together. Uh, the movie, uh, like, the, I don't know where I'm at with the movie. I think if I were to grade the movie, it would be somewhere in between a three and a four. Like a high know your roller or a low people's okay. champ. Because I think there's, like, there's a lot to like about it, but it's not a movie I would seek out. But if it's, like, if I'm flipping through, like, you know, I can't go nowhere for the next couple of months, Brian, man, potentially. If I'm flipping through the channels and, and it's on TNT one night, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll finish the movie. But it's not something that I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I got to watch Pain and Gain today. So I think, like, I like it. I don't love it. Uh, I don't even know if I like it. I like the characters. Yeah. I like the characters a lot. And that, that goes a long way for me. I guess the thing that I love about Dwayne, it's so interesting. Is oh, like and, I, and I'll give, the, I'll give a, I agree with you with, with uh, Dwayne's performance. I, I'll give him a five as well yeah. for, for Pain and Gain. I just feel that what's so interesting with Dwayne is that you compare this, and, and to me, I, I would connect this to Southland Tales a little bit, mm. uh, where it's like he accidentally makes these like grand critiques about American capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I do think accidentally, because, I mean, you look at any of the other movies, there's never any political statements in any way, like not even like the most like uh you know uh the most like very like pc corporate like woke there's never even that like there is yeah. nothing there is no ideology in any of his movies in any way because he <laughs> he makes his movies for a global audience like he doesn't he's not trying he has zero agenda the only agenda he has is man Dwayne Johnson cool guy yeah and then i think that's that that's part of his success like everybody mm-hmm. everybody loves the rock but here's a question that uh, Joey Lewandowski and Joe too from the too fast too forever a podcast that 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 we did. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they came on for the Fast Five episode. Okay. And one of the last questions they asked me is kind of the rock aficionado was, what would I state as kind of rock's defining role? Like when it's all said and done, like and not and not in terms of performance, but in terms of what will Dwayne like? What will be the header on Dwayne yeah. Johnson's obituary besides Wrestling Hall of Famer? What will the role he be known? He he'll be known the most for. And at first I was thinking like, huh, like would it be, would it be some of the family stuff? Would it be uh, Maui from Moana? And then it's like it's it's kind of got to be Hobbs, doesn't it? At this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Um, I think Moana. You could certainly make an argument for. Um, I think of all of his movies. I think that as of now, I think that's probably gonna be the one that will stand the test of time the mm-hmm. longest. 
because it is a Disney movie because it has, you know, that, you know, it gets children young. Um, but yeah, no, I think if he, uh, um, you know, um, unfortunately came in contact with uh, his uh, his Hobbs and Shaw co-star Idris Elba. Mm. And uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I think that, um, yeah, if 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 Dwayne's filmography ended uh, abruptly, um, I think you would have to say that Hobbs um, is 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 his most uh, iconic role. Um, if for no other reason than the fact that it is his only movie character you can name, uh, I don't think anyone can tell you the name of his role, his character in Skyscraper. No. Um, it, it, it is the one kind of, like, iconic character that he has played. Yeah. Um, though, interestingly, it's like, I don't, I won't even necessarily call it a character. Like, it's no different than any of his other roles. It isn't like, um, even the Schwarzenegger, you'd be like, yeah, you know, Terminator is different than True Lies, yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, like there's no other he doesn't do Terminator again. I think you know. I, I do Jaws like that. Um, I do like that they've they've kind of made him more like he's not so, such a stereotype. Like if you look at Fast Five, even though I love that film, like yeah, he's he, he's he's just a muscle bound police guy, military that's guy. A, yeah, with him in in Fast Five, uh, you could see that role being played by many other people. Yep. Uh, you you could see the dice being rolled a little differently and like oh we brought in Channing Tatum to play it. You mm-hmm. could see that. But later, uh, no, you you completely. Um, even though the way that he has, the way his his character is handled in Hobbs and Shaw is very weird, uh, and and I think they make some missteps with the character uh, <laughs> in, in in that film, uh, like the fact that his daughter is not aged in seven years. <laughs> hey, that's uh, that's a, that's some good genes. Well, it's weird that like not only that, but then like he also is like has a love interest in Hobbs's sister, and yeah, it's like out of no, nowhere, we do not want to see Dwayne Johnson be a romantic interest. The man is too big. No one wants to see this. It's weird. And he certainly shouldn't be a romantic interest with someone who's 20 years younger than him. That movie would be so much better if it was him dealing with his teenage daughter dating than him trying to date. Mm. And then the other, the other thing is, uh, like, you bring in your man Roman Reigns trying to jumpstart his hot career. Yeah. Like, mm, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't know. I don't know about this one, DJ. I got to be honest. When, when, when I saw that he was in that movie, I didn't – I wasn't completely sold that he'd be coming back. Because that was when he was obviously out with leukemia. Yes, and it was like, yeah, you're right. Yep. He could just say, fuck it, I'm doing movies now. Which, honestly, he maybe should. So, that is that is going to do it, Brian, man. Like, we, we solved the case. We, we hit the double feature on the people. And I think, uh, you know, we can all uh, kind of get through this together. I'm glad that you were here this week, brother. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, obviously, people listen to the show; they're fans of, of Dwayne. It is possible, though, that uh, these could be the two films they haven't seen. I feel like these are really overlooked in his uh, in his in his film in his filmography, which is crazy because I think that they are uh, an extremely important role in other guys and uh, his best role in Pain and Gain. Hmm. So, uh, before we let you go, Brian, any any anything uh, you want to promote for the people? Anything you want to you want to plug out there? Because because I know. They're going to need that 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 good entertainment content uh, over the next couple of weeks, and, and who better to deliver it to them than the wheel man himself, Brian Mann? Yeah, uh, you might have a little bit of free time these days, and <laughs> if so, uh, I actually just uh, made a series for Complex. Uh, I completely I executive produced and uh, show ran this show, so my fingerprints all over it. It's <laughs> called uh, Jabrizi's Magic in the City. Uh, it follows a, uh, a street magician by the name of Jabrizi, 
Uh, you might have seen him on TikTok and Instagram and all that stuff. But he's a uh, he's a magician from uh, from Chicago, and it's an eight episode series on Facebook Watch where we follow his journey um, as he attempts to make it big in the world of magic. Um, so, like I said, this is the the first show that I've kind of executive produced that I've ran. Um, it'd be great if people could check it out. Let me know what you think of it. Uh, our finale actually drops next week. Um, it's eight episodes. Uh, it's Facebook Watch, so each episode are about ten minutes long. So, uh, so check that out. We uh, have him doing some fun tricks. We have other people reacting to weird shit. So uh, I'm proud <laughs> of the show, um, and everyone should check it out. You said Jabrizi's Magic in the City. Jabrizi's Magic in the City. Okay, I'll, I'll definitely have to check that out. That you, you've got my attention, Brian May. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll have to do a special side episode on, on the Uber of Brian Mann now. <laughs> I appreciate it. A modern-day Peter Berg, if you will. Oh, wow. No, we <laughs> used a tripod a couple times. <laughs> like, what do you do? It's not, it's not uh, handheld all, all throughout this? Not all the time. <laughs> a fair amount, but not, not constantly. Oh, good good stuff, brother. I'm glad, glad uh, you keep busy putting out the content for the people in, in these strenuous times. Uh, so, yeah, definitely check him out. And you can also check uh, Brian out on Twitter at Brian Maxman. Uh, yep. As for me, you can check out the Kings of Sport, Kings of Sport Patreon, patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport, where this week, the week that this uh, episode comes out, we'll probably be launching – a new bonus show uh, because uh, Brian Mann, uh, I, I'm sure you can relate to this. Uh, we, yep. we, ha- we have friends that, that do podcasts, and this is a time where a lot of people are stuck indoors. And so um, my, my new uh, idea that I'm coming up with is going to be each week, it's going to be like a book club, except we're not reading books. It's more like a crisis club, if you will, where me, a couple other podcast friends that I know, and my buddy Steve Willie, who is a not only a uh, – podcaster but he's also a therapist uh we're just gonna kind of shoot the breeze and, and, and get together and talk i don't have a title for it yet but uh the first episode will be out probably this weekend maybe next weekend but uh you know just something to keep us busy dur- during these times brian listen we all, we all could use it yes yeah, so so if that if that show gets uh off the ground and and we're stuck inside for 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 a while i'm sure i'll, I'll send brian man the invite to to join our book club one week mm, i appreciate it so, uh, yeah, that's going to do it this week. Uh, shout out to Austin James, graphic design for the logo for the show. Shout out to Braden Harrington for the amazing theme for this show. Uh, check me out at, on Twitter in the number eight M O Z A I K at Nate Mosaic on Twitter. Uh, shout out to John Pollock and Wei Ting, the, the proprietors of post wrestling for all they do. Uh, and, and yeah, that's going to do it. So, uh, Again, thanks to my guest, Brian Mann. Uh, hopefully next time we talk, brother, we'll actually be able to get back on the satellite. Uh, yeah, hopefully. I, I mean, I now, you know, really looking at the full situation, it's weird that we should we should have just stayed on the satellite. We actually were kind of safe. That is, yeah, that doesn't make any but, sense. Um, like, we, why did we come into the danger zone? We were safe above the, above the earth. I mean, we, we ran out of toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> we had to come back down for some more. Brian turned into Vince Russo. Listen, bro, if we go down to Earth, we'll be closer, but we'll be safer. Like, it doesn't make any sense, Brian, but you are the wheel man. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's going to do it. So, uh, again, thanks for listening, everybody. Be safe. Uh, we appreciate you checking out the Rocky Maivia Picture Show. So, for Brian Man, for Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I am the Godfather, Nate Milton. We'll see you next time where we'll get to 2012's Journey to the Mysterious Island. I'm I'm serious this time, for real, no cap. 
Uh, we, we will review Journey 2. Uh, but, yeah, until then, remember, Nubian eyes are watching. See you next time, folks. Oh, I forgot about Nubian eyes are watching. on out of here. No! Oh! I can't believe it. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.